The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Welcome. I'm your happy host, Leah Brenda Smith. And you are listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and live streamed at Project Freedom Radio Network. Today is the 17th show, and it's about Kabbalah teachings for a modern world. Kabbalah for a modern world. I find that very exciting. Now, the wisdom of Kabbalah is something that I've been drawn to since I was a young girl. And although I've never really been a diligent student of the formal texts and the teachings that are available through avid Kabbalah study, you may find, as I have found, that the knowledge of this innate wisdom, it has come through me in moments of quietude or through personal growth and certainly through my life commitment of being of service to others and being a caregiver most of my life. The information that I'm going to share with you today comes from a few different sources. Um, one is A Guide to the Hidden Wisdom of Kabbalah by Rav Michael Leitman, PhD. Another is Judaism 101, A Kabbalah and Jewish Mysticism. And the other is Yehuda Berg from the Kabbalah Center. And of course, my own personal experiences of studying and practicing Kabbalah and just you know, the way that life speaks to you internally through your own dedication to practice, spiritual practice, and personal growth. For many centuries, Kabbalah's been a banned topic. And this is partially because of the list of previous prerequisites that were required in order to become a student. Here it is. You had to be Jewish male, married, over 40, and proficient in other Jewish studies. You may wonder why Kabbalah is being openly taught and studied in ways that make it accessible to everyone in these times. And the reason is because the ban has been lifted. As Kabbalist Rav Yehuda Ashlag and many other prominent Kabbalists have stated, the end of the 20th century marks a fundamental change in the history of Kabbalah, and now it's open to everyone. There was a reason that this information was initially esoteric and so closely preserved and associated with. 
and it is for that exact same reason that the ban has now been lifted. Because humanity of the 21st century has become ready, ready to see Kabbalah for what it really is. A scientific, time-tested, practical method of achieving spirituality while living in a modern world. Studying Kabbalah can be very captivating. It can change your perspective on the world, the people in your life, and it can open you to aspects of yourself that perhaps you didn't even know existed. It's a journey of discovering your inner world, which naturally affects all the areas of your life, including your relationship to yourself, family, friends, and co-workers. Kabbalah states very simply that when you know how to connect to the Creator directly, without any go-betweens, then you will find that your inner compass, you will find that inner guidance and inner direction. This is the goal of Kabbalah, to help you create and maintain direct contact with the Creator. And when this occurs, truly, there is no need for any other further guidance. The constant gradual goal. Here's a little excerpt from Yehuda Berg at the Kabbalah Center. The reason our lives are not under the dominion of constant positivity it's not because constant positivity is not around. It's because sometimes we are in touch with our soul and blessings and the real essence of things, and sometimes we are not. Sometimes we are totally ruled by the perception of physicality. God is constant, and our goal is to become gradually more consistent so that we can experience constant joy, constant certainty, constant control, constant care, and constant excitement. The constant gradual goal. So really a question of sometimes we're focused on our soul and sometimes we're not. That's really what makes the difference. So the book of Zohar is the pinnacle of Kabbalah books. It was authored by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his students around 170 to 200 CE. Now the Zohar states that Kabbalah will boom and prosper at the end of days. With today's popularity of Kabbalah, one might think that the end of days is here. Kabbalah illumines and describes the laws of the spiritual world. It's not religion. It's a spiritual science. And for almost 2,000 years, it has been hidden in mystery. But as we have come to realize, this end of days that is referred to is the end of a world age, 
the end of a cycle that is indicated by the Mayan calendar, which ends on December 21st, 2012. Well, don't freak out. This is not another one of those end-of-the-world predictions that have been rumored on previous occasions. No, not at all. This is a natural cycle that happens every 5,125 years, which is why so many people are uttering that simple phrase, we live in exciting times. We live in a time of change that happens only once every 5,125 years. We've also recently experienced a succession of planetary shifts and changes that occur very infrequently. So you can understand why people would say we live in exciting times. We live in a time of great change. It's the end of an old world age and the beginning of a new world age. It's the beginning of the age of cooperation, authenticity, co-creation, and a time that's marked really by a synthesis of the will of humanity, the whole will of humanity focusing collectively. Imagine the will of humanity focusing collectively on ensuring a world of collective harmony, sustainability, and peace. Exciting times indeed. Now, Kabbalah, it has but a single purpose. It offers an approach that helps answer questions like, what is the meaning of life? Now more than ever, people are asking about the meaning and the purpose of their lives. With material needs met, and met even beyond imagining in some situations, people still feel an emptiness in their lives. And Kapalah is a discipline that evokes insight and new perspectives on life, which in turn provide a spiritual fullness. And this is really the key to its popularity. It's said that you are ready for Kabbalah if you sometimes question the meaning of your life, wonder why you and all life exist, question why life can sometimes be so difficult. And really, Kabbalah in these times is the right wisdom for this time. In the perfect cycle of life, each part has its own designated function. No part of creation is free to do as it pleases because the well-being of each part depends on the well-being of all the other parts of creation. Nature's law is one of interdependency, and this guarantees that no creature will overpower other creatures because to destroy other creatures would mean destroying itself. Human beings are no exception to this rule. Some do not appreciate this idea and in one way or another act in ways that hurt others and then always hurting themselves. By controlling others or our environment, we think that we can manipulate and shape the world to our liking. But a quick glimpse at the news makes you reflect on the results. All we have achieved is unhappiness for ourselves and for others. 
However, nothing is created without a reason, not even human destructiveness. Today, it seems that our destructiveness is causing great unhappiness to people and threatening our environment. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that people are beginning to ask questions about life. Questions that the wisdom of Kabbalah can help us, if not completely answer, at least explore more deeply. And as many people begin to realize that greater wealth, additional power, more sex doesn't really make them happier, they are no longer asking how-to questions, they're asking what-for questions. And any doctrine that can help us answer what-for questions has a good chance of getting people's attention. Because Kabbalah specifically explores questions about the meaning of life, it's not surprising that many people find it appealing. Well, this coupled with the publicity generated by celebrities that are enthusiastic about Kabbalah has brought Kabbalah to the focus of life and to seekers everywhere, all ages, every place in the world, all backgrounds. Kabbalah's been around for a long, long time, and it's only now taking its place in the general public's awareness. Those who embrace it as the latest fad will probably move on to something else. But those who dig deeply into its principles are likely to find enough to keep them going for a whole lifetime. Let's just do a little summary of the things we've talked about till now. Kabbalah is a method that answers life's deepest questions, such as what is the meaning of life? Kabbalah's kind of been waiting in the sidelines until the questions that it answers came up in humanity. And Kabbalah has been incorrectly associated with by many people as well. Kabbalah is not a passing fad. It's a time-tested, practical method to understand human nature and the nature of the Creator. So what's really the truth about reality? In Hebrew, the word Kabbalah means reception, but Kabbalah is not just about reception or receiving. It's a discipline of study, a method that teaches you how to receive. Kabbalah helps you know where you truly are in relation to where you think you are. It shows the boundaries of our five senses and it opens up the part that they can't reveal by helping you develop a sixth sense. Now this sixth sense is not only enriches your life with new dimension, but it opens a door to a brave new world, opening doors to experiences you never would have imagined. The Kabbalists uh, say that there's no death in this world, no sorrow, no pain, and best of all, you don't have to give up anything for it. You don't have to die to get there, and you don't have to fast or restrain yourself in any way. In short, Kabbalah doesn't take you away from life. It just adds a whole new meaning and strength to everything that happens. Kabbalists live life to the fullest. Now, to receive 
you need to discover the force of giving. And to understand the kind of pleasure that the Kabbalists receive, it's essential to understand a basic concept in Kabbalah. In the whole of reality, there's only a single force, the force of giving. And because that force is giving, it creates something to receive what it gives. The giving force in Kabbalah is called creator. And what it's create, what it creates is called creation or a creature or a created being. We are all the created humanity as a whole and everyone individually, we are what has been created. This creature goes through a process of learning and developing and in the end it discovers the full splendor and beauty of its creator. The revelation of the creator to the creature is the essence and the purpose of the whole of creation. The creator reveals itself to all that it has created. In his essay, The Essence of Wisdom of Kabbalah, Balha Shulam defines Kabbalah as follows. This wisdom is no more and no less than a sequence of roots which hang down by way of cause and consequence in fixed, determined rules, interweaving to a single exalted goal described as the revelation of his holiness to his creatures in the world. Imagine the revelation of his holiness to his creatures in the world. Kabbalah explains that discovering the creator means discovering the law that governs nature. The creator is nature, and by disclosing this law of nature, Kabbalah aims to disclose reality in its entirety, the whole gamut, revealing why things happen to us and how we can not only predict them, but change them to our benefit. When you understand all sides of nature, you can reach far beyond your present physical life, beyond the boundaries of your five senses, as if someone has removed a blindfold from your eyes and allowed you to see the true immensity and beauty of the world. When Baal HaShulam described the purpose of Kabbalah as the revelation of his holiness to his creatures in the world, he means that the essence of Kabbalah is to discover the Creator to be receptive, to receive, and in receiving, receive the Creator, to discover the Creator, because that is what gives us the ultimate pleasure. But certainly there's more to it. Kabbalah explains that discovering the Creator means discovering the law that governs nature. In fact, the Creator is nature, and by disclosing the law, Kabbalah aims to disclose reality entirely, the whole gamut, revealing why things happen, 
not only to predict them, but to change them to our benefit. So you may wonder, how does this work? And what do you actually receive? So just for a moment, let's think of reality as like an embroidery. When you look at a, a piece of needlework, you see a coherent picture. But when you look behind the picture, behind the scenes, at all the threads that make up the picture, you find a mess of strings and cords that you can't decipher. You can't tell which string, which thread corresponds which with which part of the picture. It's all just a bunch of strings and cords. Kabbalah helps you to understand the threads behind the picture of reality and teaches you how to become an embroiderer yourself so that you can build a picture that suits you, that suits your liking. Let's talk about this latent sense. Reception in Kabbalah is all about perceiving the spiritual world. It's a world invisible to the five senses, but only we certainly experience it's invisible. We experience things with our five senses, but there are other things that we don't even know exist. If everything we perceive depends on our senses, then it stands to reason that all we need to sense the hidden wisdom of Kabbalah's spiritual world is a special sense that perceives it. In other words, we don't need to look for anything outside of us, but we need to cultivate a perception that already exists within us, that lies dormant. In Kabbalah, they just refer to this perception as the sixth sense. And really, the sixth sense is a bit misleading because it's not really a sense in the physiological meaning of the word. But because it enables us to perceive something that we otherwise wouldn't, Kabbalists have decided to call this different means of perception the sixth sense. All of your five senses, all of us, our five senses are programmed to serve our personal interests. And for this reason, all we perceive, it was what seems to serve our best interests. Now, if your senses were somehow programmed to serve the highest interests of the whole world, then that's what we would perceive. In this way, each of us would be able to perceive what every other person, animal, plant, or mineral in the universe perceives. We would become creatures of unlimited perception, omniscient, literally godlike people. And in such an unbounded state, the five senses would be used in a very different way. Instead of focusing on personal interests, they would be used to serve as a means of communication with others. And that is why this sixth sense, which enables perception of the spiritual worlds, is not a sense that's usually the sense in the usual meaning of the word. It's the intention with which we use our senses. Intention is a critical concept in Kabbalah. What is your intention? 
The creator has to give and we have to receive. And Kabbalah can be very simple once you understand the mechanisms involved with it. It explains that the creator is benevolent and that he wants to give us endless, infinite pleasure. Because the creator is benevolent, he created us with endless, infinite desire to receive the pleasure that he wants to give. So in Kabbalah, this is called the will to receive delight and pleasure. In short, just the will to receive. And in his introduction to the book of Zohar, Baal HaShulam explains the creator's necessity to create so that we will receive, so that we, his creatures that he has created, will receive. Since the thought of creation was bestowed upon his creatures, he had to create in the souls a great measure of desire to receive that which he had thought to give them. Thus, the thought of creation itself necessarily dictates the creation of an excessive will to receive in the souls, to fit the immense pleasure that his almightiness thought to bestow upon us. So, in other words, we have the capability, the potential, and even unconscious desire to connect with the Creator. And in receiving his pleasures, enhance our joy in living, and then share that joy of living with everything around us and everyone around us. But people think this is selfish to the core. In practice, there are consequences to such an immense will to receive, and Baal HaShulam himself described the complexity of the human condition in his essay, Peace in the World. Each and every individual feels himself in the world of the Creator as a sole ruler, that all the others were created only to ease and improve his life, without him feeling any obligation whatsoever to give anything in return. Basically, intention is the goal for which we act. If we want to benefit ourselves, then all we see is ourselves and all we have created. But if we want to benefit the Creator, then all we will see will be the Creator's world and all that He has created. In other words, we're selfish to the core. However, when corrected, this extreme egotism becomes the highest level of our altruism and benevolence. Being born selfish doesn't mean we remain in that selfish state forever. Remember, the Creator is benevolent. He's got nothing on his mind but giving, and as a result, creates creatures that want only to receive. And these creatures begin to receive what he gives more and more. As the will to receive evolves in creation, an almost magical transformation takes place. People not only want to give what the Creator gives, they also want to actually be creators. Think of how every child wants to become like his or her parents. Think too how the very basics of learning is the little one's desire to grow. 
Kabbalists say that the child's will to be a grown-up stems from the creature's desire to be like its creator. So if your parents are your role models, you would study their actions and do your best to emulate them and become a grown-up. Similarly, if the creator is your role model, you would study the creator in order to become like him. If the creator you study is all about giving, about benevolence, then you can see how the extreme egoism of wanting to become creator-like can be turned into altruism because it's what he is. In Kabbalah, the ability to be the creator is called achieving the attribute of bestowal. The implication, though it may sound a little like an oxymoron, is that every person's most egotistic desire is to be like the creator, a total altruist. Now let's just do a little summary of what we just spoke about. Kabbalah provides a method by which you learn to receive. The creator's primary desire is to give pleasure, so he imbues his creation with a desire to receive that pleasure. The sixth sense allows you to perceive higher spiritual worlds. And the purpose of Kabbalah is the revelation of the creator while we are still here living in this world. And the biggest egoists really want to be like the creator. They really want to be true altruists. Well, you may ask, well, is that all there is? We look around and what do we see? What do we hear? Have you ever wondered if there's anything out there other than what your five senses can detect? Perhaps other worlds and creatures existing within space that you can't perceive? Worlds that perhaps are uh, transparent and unrecognizable from our point of view because we can't perceive them with our physical eyes. To a Kabbalist, we are living in darkness, <laughs> unable to see the greater reality, the bigger picture, although it's there all the time. And without knowing any better, we take the view that this is, world is the only possible reality. Think of Kabbalah as a way of illuminating the whole of reality so that it's plain to see. And once that happens and we take it all in, our perception of reality changes forever. We can no longer act the way we did when we were in the dark. This is actually to our mutual benefit. Benefits ourselves and benefits everyone else. So if we think beyond the five senses, did you ever think that your hand feels odd because you only have five fingers? Probably not. Although we can increase the range of our five senses and what they perceive, we cannot really imagine what perceptions we lack. It's impossible to recognize the true reality because it isn't something that we feel the absence of any more than we feel the lack of a sixth finger. Imagination is the product of the five senses. Though we can never envision an object or a creature that is not in some way already familiar, even if you think of the most creative children 
artists' books, the illustrators, or the most abstract artists you know, do their designs in some way, do they resemble things that exist in the physical world? Try to imagine the wildest thing, the wildest thing ever, and you'll still create something that is already known, something that you can puzzle out of your experience of everyday reality. Ravi Huda Ashlad gives us this insight in the preface uh, to the book, The Zohar. Our five senses and our imagination offer us nothing more than the disclosure of the actions of the essence, but not the essence itself. For example, the sense of sight offers us only shadows of the visible essence, according to how they are formed, opposite to the light. So going beyond the five senses, it, well, it doesn't happen literally. It's more a way to describe a higher level of perception, where we understand the interconnectedness of everything and our place within that interconnectedness. You and I receive many sensations from external objects, but because our senses do not have the same qualities as those objects, we do not perceive them. We only perceive the part of the object that resonates to qualities we already have. For a complete perception of anything, we need to first be complete within it. We have to be aware of all the forms of reality that exist in us, and then our picture of reality will be complete. So you may wonder, how do we attain the sixth sense that enhances our perception beyond conventional reality? Well, it exists in everyone, but it's hidden. Remember the importance of intention that we mentioned earlier. With intention, we can bring this undeveloped sense into action. And through persistence and study and practice, we begin to gain perception of the world of the creator, the world of giving. In Kabbalah, that world is called the upper world. By study and development of the sixth sense, we gradually begin to feel and to understand the upper world. Our perception of the upper world will vary depending on our spiritual state. Now, initially, we can't perceive the upper world because our qualities are opposite from the creators. And in that kind of a state, we can only perceive the material world we presently live in and everything we imagine the spiritual world to be is strictly, well, a figment of our imagination. But once we require the first spiritual quality, that first bit of altruism, we also gain the ability to see spirituality as it truly is. And Kabbalists call this closing the barrier, closing the barrier between the seen and the unseen world. And once we cross the barrier, then we can advance even without a teacher, because in that state, we're under the constant, the conscious guidance of the creator. Still, in most cases, Kabbalists continue to study with the teacher even after they cross the barrier, but the relationship with the teacher changes drastically. The teacher no longer needs to lead a blind person by the hand, but the two walk together on an enchanted path of discovery.
the only reality is within. Our understanding of what we sense is based on the genes that we inherit, our experiences, our socialization, and what we have learned. It's all totally subjective, regardless of what our senses take in. And what we eventually understand of all of it is how we can act as a result of, uh, in our very personal way. For an example, if we were deaf, wouldn't there still be sound around us? Wouldn't there still be music and sound of jet planes, birds singing? To us, these sounds, would they still be there? There's no way to explain to a deaf person what a nightingale sounds like, and no two people experience the same experience when they hear the same sound. All that you and I believe to exist outside of us are actually experiences that we sense within ourselves. We have no way of telling what they're truly like in and of themselves. So when we think of reality, we're actually thinking of what we view as a objective thought through the lens of our own perception. Now, Kabbalah says that there are four factors that determine a person's state in each and every moment. Source. This is the starting point, the spiritual gene pool but it's not a blank canvas. Think of it more as a wall that has been painted and repainted many times. So the layers of the previous coats of paint are there beneath the surface. But perhaps you can't see them or distinguish them, but they're there as part of the composition of the wall. Always the starting point for the next layer of transformation is the previous layer as the wall's current paint is always the undercoat for the next paint. Unchanging paths of development that stem from one's nature is the second factor. The factor that deals with the way we evolve as a result of our genes. And now these paths may refer to things we tend to like or dislike, our talents and our inherited traits. And the third, the third is the path of development, developing the change under the influence of our external factors. This is about our attitude towards the external environment. Say you get a bad performance review from your boss at work. He may be upset and angry and feel that the feedback's unfair, or you may decide that your boss has your best interests in mind and really you should take to heart what he's told you so you can succeed. Either way, the external event of your boss's criticism will inevitably affect you and change you. So that's the third, the path of the influence of the external factors. Then the fourth is the path of developing, development of the external factors themselves. The fourth factor is the external environment and its continued evolution. To continue the previous example, if you choose to change your boss, perhaps by changing your job, this would expose you to a new set of influences, but these would be influences that you have chosen to be under. 
As the fourth factor shows, the coming together of a person's original inner nature, unchangeable, and changeable, changing all outside forces, they all contribute to our inner makeup. However, if all four elements, the only element that we can modify is the fourth. We can only modify our environment. But because the elements affect each other by changing our environment, we can ultimately shape all the other elements within us. Why does your attitude, whenever it is, change the environment? Because you are not separate from one another but we're part of the environment. So given this, an important question we should ask is, what attitude should I adopt so as to make my environment better? Make my environment better. What can I do to change that so I can make my environment better by my own thoughts or my own actions or my own feelings? There's something in Kabbalah, the very basic things in Kabbalah, where they speak about the Ein Soft and the Ten Sephirot. And according to Kabbalah, the true essence of God is so transcendent that it cannot be described except with reference to what it is not. So the true essence of God is known as Ein Sof, the true essence, Ein Sof, which literally means without end, and which encompasses the idea of the creator's lack of boundaries in both time and space. In this truest form, the Einsoft is so transcendent that it cannot have any direct interaction with the universe. The Einsoft interacts with the universe through 10 emanations or 10 different energies that are part of its essence. And these are known as the 10 Sephirot. These Sephirot or energies correspond to qualities of God. It's like a little map that, if you like, is like the energies in our body. In the previous show, we talked about chakras, energy centers in the body. So the sephirots correspond to qualities of God and actually are like a roadmap in our body. And these qualities of God, starting at the highest point, at the crown, and then moving in descending order. The first one, I'll tell the Hebrew words first, is Keter, the crown. Then Chokmah, wisdom. B'nai, which is intuition, understanding. Chesed, Mercy, Gedula, greatness, Gevura, strength, 
Tefaret, Glory, Netzach, Victory, and Hod, Majesty, Yesod, Foundation, and Malchut, Sovereignty. These essences, essences of the Creator, the crown, wisdom, intuition, and understanding, mercy, greatness, strength, glory, victory, majesty, foundation, and sovereignty. The ten sephirot, these ten qualities, these ten emanations, include both masculine and feminine qualities. And Kabbalah pays a great deal of attention to the feminine aspects of God. The sephirot is commonly known as the tree of the sephirot or the Kabbalah's tree of life. And there's great significance to the positions of the various attributes and their connectedness to each other. Now the Sephirot are not separate divinities, they are intimately a part of God, and yet they are in contact with the universe in a way that the Ein Sof is not. The Sephirot connect with everything in the universe, including humanity. The good and the evil that we do that resonates through the Sephirot and affects the entire universe up to including God himself. So in the study of Kabbalah, if you like, the framework really is about individually each of us moving through the energy and the emanations and the lessons and the learnings and the challenges of these ten Sephirot. And as we move through the different emanations of God, the intent is to clear your life energy, clear the energy that's associated with these different qualities, with the purpose of exemplifying the positive aspect of these energies, and then freely sharing these qualities in life through your actions and through your interactions with other people. That's really the base and the purpose in terms of the movement and the personal growth that is available through taking up the study of Kabbalah for yourself personally and to clear your own energies so that you can combine with the essence of creation. Now I'm just going to mention those names of those ten qualities again, the ten qualities of the Creator. The crown, wisdom, intuition and understanding, mercy, greatness, strength, glory, victory, majesty, foundation, and sovereignty. So as you can see, a statement I made early on is that for people that are really interested in delving deeply into the study of Kabbalah and the awakening of the truths of Kabbalah that live within each of us, 
because we are all from the same creation and we can receive these emanations from the creator. It could last you your whole lifetime, a lifetime of combining with these essences. And I want to leave you with something here. The, many years ago, I was introduced to uh, meditation. When I first heard the word Einsoff, it was in connection with a, a meditation. And it's not exactly as you would use a mantra meditation where really the purpose is really to quiet the mind and to be still and to... It, it's really beyond that because this way of using the Einsoff is more with the intention of of dissolving, if you like, dissolving into essence, into your own individual essence, which then, if you open yourself, you recognize that your individual essence is not separate from the essence of anything else. So it's a beautiful uh, way of doing a meditation that can really, uh, if you like, perhaps get you into the energy and the spirit of Kabbalah, if you like. So you can try this yourself at home. Just simply sit down or lie down somewhere cozy where you won't be interrupted. And then you can slowly start to repeat, I'm soft. I'm soft. I'm soft. Just let the sound be slow and deliberate and allowing stillness to come over you gently and completely in a state of stillness with the intent of connecting with your individual essence, which is connected to the essence of all things. I'm soft. I'm soft. I'm soft. And while you do this, just imagine yourself as a unified field of light and feel that in your body, feel it through your body, feel it around your body. Allow yourself to feel, feel your connection with all things. I'm soft. I'm soft. I'm soft. This is a very soothing and effective meditation for tuning to higher vibrations, the vibrations of the God essence within all things. I'm soft. It's a really beautiful uh, idea when you think of that, that really Kabbalah is about a shift, a very big shift in perception, a shift from the limitations of our five senses and the physical world into the world of perceiving your reality through the knowing and the idea of the Creator and that which created all things. 
We already, all of us, glean so much pleasure from the things that we see in the physical world. Yet we're not necessarily acknowledging the source of the things that we are gleaning so much pleasure from. And especially during the times of year when the weather is warm and things are growing and the beauty of nature is as they say, out of this world, created from a source, created from a magnificent source that wants to give to you all the time in every moment. And created you in a way that you would want to receive from the Creator in every moment. And with that, that you would want to take that which you receive and share that with all the rest of creation. It is, as was said earlier, about your own clarity of intention. And you are free to choose. Everyone is free to choose where it is that they will put their focus. Do they want to focus on what it is that you can get for yourself that you can enjoy just for your own pleasure or for your close family and friends? Or do you want to receive from the Creator that which you can then in turn share with the rest of creation? And the more you open to receive fully from the Creator that which is part of our five physical senses, and also that which is beyond what we can perceive only with those senses, the more you acclimatize and tune to that, the more perception, the more energy, the more inspiration, the more opportunity there will be for you to serve in ways that can benefit everyone. And in the study of the Ten Sephirot, Rav Yehuda Ashlag writes, You must therefore understand and perceive that all the names and designations and all the worlds, upper and lower, are all one simple light, unique and unified in the Creator. The spreading of light the thought, the operation, the operator, and anything the heart can think and contemplate are all one and the same. All of creation is one and the same. The only separation is in our individual perception. So it seems that Kabbalah is really an opportunity. The study of Kabbalah is the opportunity to really be in connection with those what had at one time seemed like great mysteries that we can actually live and make contact with and work with those very energies and essence in our day-to-day -day life. There's so much information on the internet about Kabbalah and it's not hard to find any of it. I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio.
and look forward to our ongoing exchange and journey. If any of you have some suggestions of things you'd like to hear me speak about, you have a topic in mind, please pop me an email, leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com, and I'll be happy to see about incorporating that into a further show. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and until next week, let's all do our best to find ways to relax and enjoy our lives. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.